Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Memnoir, a podcast all about the experiences of black people who go abroad. In today's episode, I am joined by Intasar. Please introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about where you went and what you study currently at uni. Hi, my name is Intasar. I am a going into final year French student at Queen Mary and I did my year abroad in Brussels, Belgium, last, just gone, last year just gone. Why did you choose Belgium? I picked Belgium because well my options were quite limited you had France Switzerland Belgium and Canada and no one's trying to go Canada first of all because they put you in rural like you can't just go to the cities they put you in the middle of nowhere and they tell you that on the website so that's not for me and France I didn't even think we need to talk about France <laughs> as a as, next question. Yeah, next question. <laughs> on um, and Switzerland is expensive, so I just like Belgium's like like a nice like middle ground. Um, mm. And I've never even like I've been to France before a couple of times, um, and Belgium seemed you know new, exciting, um, and also I had family there as well, so I could have you know like I wasn't going there completely alone. What were you doing as well? Because you, you mentioned it a little bit, but. Yeah, so I did the British Council um, English Language Assistant. So it's like this, um, they take you, you can go anywhere, like across the world. But obviously for my course, I had to pick a French-speaking country. Um, And so they basically, what British Council is, is that you apply through their website and then you pick the countries and like the order, the preference you want, basically. You have to pick like three. So I just did Belgium, France, Switzerland. Um, And within that, you can pick if you want it to be rural or town or city, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what they do is they, you don't work for the British Council, so you work for whoever they connect you with, uh, whatever local authority there is. Uh, and then in my case, when I was applying, I obviously did Belgium, and then I did, uh, I would prefer a city and a town, and then in like the little comments, because I really wanted Brussels, because like it's just scary to go somewhere like that you don't know in the Random, middle of yeah. nowhere. Yeah, so I basically wrote, as a visibly black Muslim, <laughs> I think it would be appropriate, um, judging by the the political climate, you know, that is, uh, as of today, that uh, I be put in a city, a metropolitan city, a multicultural city, something like that. Um, and then they gave me Brussels, so they're really accommodating, I think, like, they did their job. Um, one of the girls, this is just off topic, but one of the girls, she, that was part of it, they put us in a group chat, etc., and she went into the middle of nowhere. And she pro- and she's a hijabi, and she proper felt like really. I can bad. imagine what the hell. <sighs> the thing is, Belgium is it's like okay, well, France. At least they okay, they may be racist as heck, mm. xenophobic. <laughs> that's their yeah. that's their favorite thing to do. That's their pastime, hobby. Mm-hmm. Literally, but at the same time, they they know what Muslims are like. They've seen Muslims yeah. in their Muslim country, but Belgium, that's even worse. It's even worse because like there's it's, it's split along language, so you mm. have the Flemish and the Dutch in the north, and then the French in the south, and obviously we could only go into the french part but brussels is like in the middle of like it's part of the flemish of the dutch region but then brussels itself is predominantly french so it's a bit like and uh brussels itself is like very very multicultural as in like it's most like i white people were a minority in my eyes where i was living especially and in the center um but when you go out even just a little bit it's very like belgium's belgium's (laughs) belgium's (laughs) Belgians. <laughs> Belgians. I'm not like the amount of times I make that mistake as well. 
it's confusing. Yeah, I just say Belge, but it doesn't yeah. even make sense in English. Belgians. But yeah, that's what I did to, to British Council. And the whole application is very, very easy. And they prioritise uni students in terms of giving them jobs. But then when they obviously put me in a group chat with all the other English language assistants, and many of them weren't in uni. So it's not like, it's just, it's not specifically uni thing that you basically, it's not specifically like young people uni. Think yeah, you can, anyone can do it basically. They just prioritise, because obviously university students, it's part of their year abroad, so they have to. Did you get paid as well? Yeah, so they pay you a nice amount, actually. They paid me They paid me in pounds, because uh, I chose to, but if I opened a Belgian uh, bank account, they would have paid me in euros, and it was like 1,000 euros a month. That's uh, good. Belgium, yeah, and then you had Erasmus on top of that, um, but obviously Erasmus is finished right right now but Erasmus really did give give me a nice grant it was like for the whole year it was 2000 mm. um they gave it to me in one big chunk though, yeah that was me. beautiful it was beautiful but I had to budget like I mean I had to <laughs> I had to stop myself from just buying things left right center yeah same. but um the the, the the allowance is quite it's, it's so hearty for the amount of work you do like it's like on the website it tells you I think it's like 16 hours a week no it's not even 16 hours it's like 10 to 12 hours uh, a week and because of corona I've worked even less than that but they still paid you the set amount and it's not a salary we basically they call it uh in, in Belgium they called it um a bursary so you're not like a working person um you're just getting a bursary from the um it's basically like the federation of Brussels um, and Wallonia that's what they that's what it was called that's so chill because when I, cause I went, first semester I went to Switzerland, second semester I went to Madrid, oh. and um, Switzerland was, you're smart to not pick Switzerland because it was very expensive, very, very expensive. Yeah, I heard that. So I was doing up, like, literally, like, I was going to, like, Lidl, doing up big shopping, doing yeah. up, uh, like, meal prepping, yeah. um, literally, like, living exactly on what, if I cook the meal, I'm going to eat that meal. If right. I'm not doing, I literally did Uber Eats twice when I was there, and Uber both times it was kebab and chips. <laughs> Uber Eats is so expensive. Like, I was paying without even, like, when you know when you're desperate? Like, when you have nothing else and you just can't be bothered to cook or whatever. It's your time of the month and you're not trying to mm. do anything. And I paid five euro delivery fee every time. And I'm looking back and I'm here, I'm on Uber Eats on my phone. I'm like, two pound delivery fee could never be me. But five euros could always be me. You know what I do? Yeah, I wait till it's like, you know when they like have um like free delivery because bare people are delivering in the area? Yeah. I literally wait for that time. That's the time I order. <laughs> like when the stars are light. Do you know what I mean? When, when God wants you to use Uber Eats. <laughs> That's so funny. Man. Like, because of times when I was in Switzerland, yeah, and I couldn't both to do Uber Eats and I couldn't both to cook, I would mm. get like, because I always used to buy rice cakes. I'd get rice cakes and jam. Uh, the most um, blindest thing in the world. But I'm eating it because I can't both to go. Completely understand. Like I, I like I'm meal prepping now to just go to work and I'm mm. saying, like I refuse to pay three pound meal deal when I could literally Aldi, full shop, week shop, ten pounds. Literally. Doesn't make sense. But it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, yeah. What was your thought process like before leaving? And like did you have was there anything you were thinking of? Were you did you have any concerns? Like what was your general feelings? So when before leaving, it was obviously Corona and it was second wave. It was when we were living our best lives, eat out to help out. So, think like things were shaky. <laughs> so I have to say, yeah, that eat out to help out was beautiful. Be- like the best time of my life. What did you say, like, yeah? The one good thing he did. The one good thing he did, and then surge, you know what I mean? Like Corona, mm. all the good <laughs> just bare Corona cases. But, um, 
So at that time, it was basically, I left, technically my thing started on the 1st of October, um, but I left on the 5th of September, like one whole month, just in case we went on lockdown. I didn't want to do like quarantining more than I needed to. I didn't want to do all that stuff. So basically I left a month before and luckily Belgium is really, really small. So you would expect actually from a very small country that they would be really strict in terms of like their, their, like Australia, for example, they, they're on it. Uh, but we live in Europe and these men do not care. So when I left, I basically, nothing actually happened for the whole month. Like I didn't have to leave that early. I was just scared, you know. Um, and that was the only thing I was worried about because obviously it was before the Brexit deadline. So I could come whenever I wanted to September. Like the deadline was 31st of December. So I wasn't thinking about visas. I wasn't thinking about all of that stuff because I could just go. Um, and in terms of like, they basically, the British Council gave me like a package of things that I needed to do. So for example, they gave me like a step-by-step guide, um, go to the commune and basically register yourself, um, go to open a bank, which I didn't even do because I didn't need to. Like they said that they'll give it to me in pounds, which I wouldn't suggest, I'm not going to lie to you because obviously the exchange rate and stuff, like I didn't check how much different it would would have been just to save myself like heartbreak for that decision. But um, if it's easier for you, like if it's not hard to open a bank account, I would say open a bank account, especially because in Belgium, they have this thing where they like only accept this thing called bank contacts. And it's really annoying because like you have your regular visas, MasterCards, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't accept that in some places, even though they're not technically allowed to, but you know, like corner shops and stuff, they're like, oh, minimum three pounds, even though that's illegal. It's still do the same thing. <laughs> 50p and charge, yeah? All the time. 50p charge all the time for no reason. Like I won't go and call, do you know what I mean? HMRC. Mm. Like... <laughs> but uh, but uh, in Belgium, it was worse because like, I would go to the corner shop, like, okay, so for example, the corner shop around my house, um, I would go and I would leave my card in my pocket or my phone in my pocket to the very last minute and say, I need to pay this by card. Then they turn on the card machine and I tap and I run. If they see the MasterCard logo, they are charging me so much more on top of that for no reason, just for the MasterCard so they can avoid paying the fees, even though it's illegal, they, they can't be doing that. Um, and I've had so many instances where, for example, I'll give my card to my cousin. I'll be like, can you go buy some, you know, drinks from the corner shop? And they'll take advantage of the fact that she's a child. And I'll see the notification on my phone. Like she goes and buys a packet of crisps and a drink or whatever. And I see seven euros and I'm like, how dare you? So I went one day and I literally went and bought him. Um, and then I never went back there again. But in like normal, like Lidl and like, you know, like Carrefour and all those shops, it was fine. Like you could use your MasterCard because Monzo, for example, is like an international. Um, thing like without fees even metro bank i would use the metro bank mm. i was gonna ask you because you meant because when i was in switzerland i needed a bank account to like actually rent but I'm, you mentioned your cousin so i'm guessing you're staying with family yeah so i actually stayed with um yeah my family um for the whole time which is very nice because i was allowed to you know like save money and stuff and you know somalis like we'd be everywhere yeah. Um, so it was actually very very convenient but renting I know because um, I met some people there who were renting and it's actually very very cheap um, like you can get like this is not even with roommates and you can get like a one bedroom flat for like 500 600 euros a month Mad. in the center Mad. like that bro you you would get a shoebox in London for that price you would not even get a garage for that price I was paying literally, I was paying 600 for a room, 600 euros for a room uh, in like a flat with my landlady and one other lady, one other girl. And it was in Switzerland. No, in Madrid. And in Switzerland, oh, 
thank god i had student accommodation it, i think mm. i was paying like 600 um francs or something but it I, I remember looking up like flats and stuff it was like 1.5k something crazy like that that is insane insane brussels is very very cheap and so in brussels like the the thing i noticed is that most of the working class population live in the center mm-hmm. and the rich people live out um and so like you get like whole streets that give you very much like you know like back home vibes mm, like markets markets yeah. on the street <laughs> man on the train station trying to like flog um cigarettes or like even like every from thursdays to sundays there was this big market and i never actually entered it because it was a bit scary but mm. people would be on the street on the floor with like you know like fake nights and whatever and then you'd go inside and this place opened up like it was humongous it doesn't look big from the inside but you'd walk in and it literally was it was like a whole market full of like fruit veg food all of that stuff for like dirt cheap like it was like i had whole watermelons for like four euros like whole ones i didn't have to do what anything. the hell it was amazing i was like i was so angry that i never went in there like i prejudiced it you know what i mean like <laughs> i was so angry at myself um but it genuinely felt like like the like Brussels is so multicultural. And when I say multicultural, I don't mean like multicultural in terms of ev- all different types of people. It's more like the same type of people, but like a lot of Congolese people, isn't it? Yeah, Cong- a lot of Congolese yeah. people, a lot of Moroccans, like a lot of Moroccans. When I tell you, not even normal amount of Moroccans, like French Moroccans. This is like every second person is Moroccan. So it's like you're you're living your best life at the end of the day. Like you have you have so many things to do, um, and it's very very cheap to live there and also it's very very small brussels um, you can get anywhere on public transport for like in like half an hour tops like my friends were telling me oh it's okay like we can meet in the middle i'm like bro i will come to you it takes me 15 minutes <laughs> don't, even, don't even worry about it i'll be there um, did you pay for like did they have like a, a youth transport you know them they have like them you know like yeah. other countries you know, they have the, the transport thingy like under 25 is like 20 euros yeah. or something. they had um they had a student one which if I really tried my best, I could have got. Um, but I wasn't going out as much anyway. And I didn't want to go into uni unnecessarily and ask for all these papers. Because 15, so basically you pay 14 euros. Um, it rises to 15 while I was there, which was rude. But it's 15 euros and you would do 10, it would give you 10 passes. And those passes you could use within an hour on all on the bus, on the metro, on the trams, all of those stuff within an hour. So I could get across the whole city in one tap, basically. Um, and I would literally, I'd be timing myself, be like, okay, I, like I wouldn't, I didn't even need to walk to the station because I knew for a fact, even if I waited for the bus, it would not even equal near an hour to get to where I needed to be. Um, and trams are my favourite thing in the world. So, They're really um, nice, I'm not going to lie. All the t- I'm, I'm cussing people from Croydon and all these areas for having trams, but trams... Oh, the, oh, do you know what I mean? I love trams. Like, my friends would be like, oh, we can just sit in the metro. And I'm like, no, I'd rather sit on this tram for an hour. Just look outside, mm. vibe, it's on the road. Like, the thing the thing about Brussels is it has two different types of trams. So it had, like, the, ni- the nice ones on the floor. And then it had this World War Two looking ass, like, you have to climb upstairs. <laughs> You have to climb upstairs. Imagine, you have to climb upstairs to get into the tram. Uh, it was like proper wobbling. It was, oh, if I could show you a picture, if you just Google Brussels tram, you'll see it's so old, but I still enjoyed it. I was I was still vibing on the tram. My friends were like, what is wrong with you? I was like, you guys are from here. I, in Northwest, we don't have trams. There's no space for trams. But, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of answered already, but what were your first impressions of like 
Belgium or Brussels in particular? My first impression of Brussels was ghetto. When I tell you, actually, you know what? It was my first impression <laughs> and my last impression. Because, okay. But I love it. Like when I first came in, um, Gatineau D is like the first stop. Like it's like the where you can go to abroad. It's the international one. And it's right next to where my cousins live. So I was like, it's not that far. It's like a 15 minute walk. And when you come out of there, immediately, you, all you see is like rubbish on the floor. And it's like, it's not the nice one. The nice one is Brussels Central, which is up further. But this is like the one where it's like, it's the King's Cross, basically, okay. of, um, of Brussels. So when I first got in, it was like, I was like, what am I doing here? What, like, it was just rubbish on the floor everywhere. They're, they have a really bad homeless problem. Like, in, and when I tell you problem, I mean problem. Like, there are people with tents just everywhere. Like, they have a whole row of people in tents. Um, people sleep in the train stations, um, anywhere. Like, you know, like, when you're in central London, you see homeless people, right, in central London. But you don't, don't, you don't normally see them outside of central but in Brussels, they're everywhere. And it's I'm literally looking at them. Like, I'm literally seeing kids, like whole families outside. And I'm literally looking at my friends like, is no one going to sort this out? And they're like, nobody does. And I was like, I remember them telling me, oh, there's a park somewhere. I forgot which park they were talking about, where it's literally just refugees with camp, like tents and stuff. And so I sad, it felt so bad. Like, it's not even people begging for money. They're just literally living on the streets. Um, and that's when you that, when you first come out of Garden D, that's what you see. You see like tents and stuff. Um, so I was like, oh my god, what? Like, how are they allowed to? You know what I mean? Like, it's so obvious in your face. Like, and it's not even just one or two; it's multiple. Like in um, in my train station, I've literally seen people do like heroin. Like, it is what? really bad. It is really really bad. And I just felt so bad. Like, I would give money wherever I could, and my friends would be like, they'd be so immune to it that they'd just ignore it. Mm. I'm like, how am I seeing a child, mother and father? at the bus stops sleeping like it's just so bad uh but then as I obviously explored the city and stuff I noticed like I could see like it was very very mixed like even if you went to like the kind of the suburby area um it's all like I I like it because London is like very segregated in my opinion like you have like like you know the east which is very neglected and you have like the the south whatever like it's very segregated in my eyes um, but Brussels is like very mixed like the center people just live in the apartments like all my friends would be like oh where do you live they'd be like oh here I'm like bro that's literally two minutes from Complas and I'm like wow that's actually quite like nice you know um, but yeah so my first impressions were wow dirty and very very like you know like different from what I would expect but then my last impressions were I love this place I want to come back <laughs> like it's just so nice like so small coming from London like you know like I'd finish work at say five o'clock and I get home at 5 30 like that is the kind of life and there's no peak time charges on the tube like you're just going whenever you want you're not thinking about it you're not waiting until 7 p.m to get together <laughs> well, you're, really uh, li- you're really living life there man I was really living life if you were to describe it overall how, what would you say it was like um I would say it was very um because of corona like I'm like this is I would say like it was very like I the first time I ever actually went into a restaurant was probably a month before I was leaving um and I was like when I went into like central whatever and like the shopping districts and stuff like all the time I would just obviously we can go into the shops and stuff 
Oh, there was nothing on the street. But then the f- last month before I left, like say May time, um, they actually had tables outside. I'm like, this is a life I couldn't even live in for the whole month. So peak. Literally, so, when when I like, I, obviously I see your Instagram stories and stuff in it. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you're really you're abroad during Corona. Like, it must be yeah. so difficult. Like, how do you how do you meet people? How do you make friends? How do you do? Yeah. Even your so you're teaching in a school, right? Mm-hmm. So I was teaching in a university actually. Um, it's called an autocol and it's not like it's not it's a university. It's like a um, one of them formation ones where they're basically all training to become teachers. So they're training to become the people that I taught were training to become English and Dutch teachers because obviously you have to know both um because bilingual is in brussels especially um to teach in brussels they they have to learn dutch from when they're young and um so i was teaching university students and what was really nice is that my professors um i love them they basically were like oh just you know welcome her you know and they basically treated me as if i was a student teacher so they were like oh you know like welcome her show her around blah 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 blah." so most of my friends actually came from that school so i was teaching them in terms of like, I was helping the professor, I was marking their work, I was doing all of that stuff. But then we would go outside and we'd be friends because we're the same age. Mm, that's and nice. Yeah, so it was really nice. So I was teaching, I was actually teaching first, second, and third year. So I have like friends from across the boards. First years, I won't even talk about that. But second years <laughs> and third years, <laughs> a fun time. <laughs> um, so most, most of my friends came from, from university at that point. Um, and then my other friends that I have, so of it, my cousins, the, the, the oldest one is my age he's about 20, 22 so he introduced me to his friends basically and then I became friends with them without him essentially um <laughs> and we just went out and about and they showed me around like we went to Antwerp and stuff like that and um yeah and then that's how basically how I met my friends but I would say it's actually very very difficult if you don't like do the whole going out drinking thing to meet people because like for example the 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 group of the group chat that I was in um with all the other assistants language assistants like that's where I I also met them like whoever was in Brussels whoever wanted to come into Brussels to like explore and stuff and when I'm looking at their Instagram I'm seeing that they have like a lot of friends who are like them um like I basically tweeted the other day um how are you in a foreign country but all your friends are white. Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, how... <laughs> I know Brussels and Belgium is not, like, a, you know... Like, it's not... You're not far away where there's, like, not white people. But at the same time, it's, like... You're... Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense for you to to come to a big, big Brussels and all your friends are white. Especially when I told you majority is Moroccan and, 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 and Congolese. So, when I looked at my, my group of friends, I literally had two like I had black friends I had Belgian friends who are actually from Belgium Moroccan friends like you know like you know you're just living your life you know us um immigrants just you know it doesn't matter to us mm-hmm. but when when I noticed them like they were they all they became friends with like-minded people like my friends were like kind of bored like you know they weren't just Muslim people like they were you know all types of people um, so I say like if you're not in that kind of like oh meet oh I met this person at a pub or I met this person you know at a at party or something like that I feel like it's very very difficult and my friends even asked me one time oh why don't you just go on like Bumble and like f- just for friendship <laughs> I'm like I'm scared <laughs> let me not I'm like, that sounds so like no that's scary um even if I set the setting to like girls it just sounds a bit sus to be fair. yeah I know you know the, the person I was interviewing for like or the person who's on the last episode on the podcast she went to Argentina and she literally used Bumble and it works for her like making friends and stuff because yeah it's 
it's you know it's a good thing that you had your, your family there because it can be it can be really hard if you don't know anyone imagine like not knowing any person having not, to socialize yeah. and... and you would have your roommates to be fair but then they'd all be foreign as well mm-hmm. so um it wouldn't be like unless you like actively search out for so basically they have they have this thing called cot which is k-o-t which is like essentially their student accommodation but it's not accommodation based on the university it's just if you're a student or if you're like a working professional whatever it is um you basically hire like you that's your you you can rent a room um so and you could potentially meet people who are like the same age as you doing the same thing as you in those like kind of places but if I wasn't working in a university yet, if I, if I wasn't, uh, and if I was working in a high school or a primary school, I would have found it so difficult to make friends because that's the only, like, literally the source of my friends. Like, it, I, I met people through them. Mm-hmm. So, um, especially during Corona. Um, and even before when I, when I was trying, when I was, like, planning, you know, and, like, looking at, oh, things to do. Like, I wanted to do Taekwondo because that's what I did before. That's so um, sick. Yeah, I miss Taekwondo so much. Oh my God, it's I say I I say I miss Taekwondo, but I haven't practiced in a year. But anyway, <laughs> so before, Wait, do you have like belts and stuff? I started like just before Corona, so mm. I was on my uh, so obviously you start with white, and I was on my yellow stripe, and I was about I was literally about to get yellow, um, and then Corona hit, and I'm I was calculating it in my mind. I was like, by this time I could have had green. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, so I was thinking, okay, all the extracurriculars that I wanted to do so I could, there's obviously Taekwondo Club there. You can, like, you know, get involved in, like, even union societies. You don't have to be part of the university to be part of that. So, and Brussels is nice because they literally, I think they have, like, one university. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, one form, like, you know, like, Kings or Kumeri or UCL. In Belgium, they have, I think it's um, Brussels Libre, I think. Um, all the other universities are like autocalls which are not really like university universities mm, they're like kind of specialized like schools specialized of schools and stuff yeah so they have like i think one or two big big universities that you could like look at most of the other universities are outside so for example they have a ucl which is um a catholic university in louvain or leuven in dutch <laughs> and um they have a big one there that most people go to but in brussels itself it's very very small so it's actually not that hard to meet people if you look but it just won't they won't come to you immediately because it's like kind of like you have to go search for it obviously but you know when you're teaching like the classes did it ever go to online or was it always in person yeah so it was online for a hearty amount like so when i first went it was all in in real in real life and then it went online around December times and my professor was like, you don't need to be present for the online lessons. You just needed to be, they would submit like pieces of work and then I would mark it. Not, I wouldn't say mark it, just check the grammar and check the punctuation and all that stuff. Um, and then at one point she was like, you don't even need to do all that. You just need to write down the letters. So for example, G for grammar, V for verb tense, et cetera, et cetera. And they all fix it themselves because obviously they're uni students and they need to learn their own mistakes to be able to teach it and it was cool because they were learning to teach English in the context of schools so they were not learning English just to learn English they were learning English on how to teach English as well which I learned just through osmosis like I was sitting here <laughs> like you know what you're right like that is how you know uh, just for the future when if I, when I or if I want to you know teach English um I was like that's so interesting like I was learning phonetics and I was literally there as like a representative of the accent that was it most of the time like, how do you say this how do you say that and I'm like this is how you say this and then I asked them in return like how do you say this in French and I was learning through French and obviously 
the teachers kept it mostly like 90% of the time they were talking in English and then the, the difficult concepts they didn't want them to be confused about so they explained it in French and then at that point I'd be listening intensely like yeah 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 yeah, yeah grammar vocabulary like you know and what I would do is I they'd give me obviously the worksheets and I'd be filling out the worksheets but in opposite so they'd be filling it out Smart. in English and I was filling it out in French and we were doing like the activities and I was doing it in my mind so I was really trying to like you know make the most of it and even the teachers like like before corona like the second wave hit for them um the lessons were still going on so they were like oh you can attend this class I was attending like a philosophy class and I was attending this and they were like oh we'll enroll you in this French class for like French speaker I'm like bro yes please and then corona hit and I couldn't go to any of them so damn that's a shame because really? I was gonna ask you about like language learning in it because mm. if you're if you're teaching English most of the time like I'm guessing a lot of the time you're just speaking English yeah, I was speaking English in uni. And then when I come out, uh, I would force them to stop speaking English. Good. Um, and then what they did in the beginning, because they were really nice the second year. So second years were really, really, like, they're my, like, they were my really good friends at that point. Like, I came close with them. Because in the beginning, they were like, oh, come, we're going to play this game called Lugaru. And basically, it's mafia on, like, on steroids. It's so intense and imagine oh no we're talking about and i've played it yeah, before. <laughs> yeah 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 so basically it's a card game where basically everyone has uh, a role so there's a wolf there's for example uh, a girl who can like see there's a thief who can swap cards there's like a sorcerer etc etc um and they were playing it and the first imagine the first ever day that i'm there they were like Let, do you want to go play with us so i said i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> but yeah i will go play i was accusing people that i've just met that oh you seem a bit quiet today (laughs) (laughs) and they were like you know what yeah you're right she is a bit quiet today I was waffling I was fighting for my life (laughs) in terms of my French at that point and I was struggling and I was just saying they're like they're like "Mm, why are you not speaking I was like because I have no idea what to say like I do not what I don't know what to tell you fam you know what's magic is you've unlocked the memory for me like I had this the same exact scenario like I was at one of like a friend invited me over to her house, right? Yeah. Um, and um, her sisters were there, and her sisters' friends were there, and they were like, "Oh, let's play that game." And I was like, "Huh?" They explained the rules to me, and mm. the same thing. Hello, people yeah. are accusing me because I'm quiet. Please, babes, I don't have to say what I'm what I, I want to say. I, I want to be like, "Yeah, you look suspicious." With it, can I say that? Can I say that? Do I know the word for suspicious? <laughs> like, it's just so difficult. But then I clock. It's good practice, like, though, isn't it? It is so good practice because imagine, like, I'm clocking my my Luga my 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 Luga who skills from the beginning of the year and the end of the year, like. Like, I, like for example at the end of the year and um, we had like barbecues and stuff at like my friend's house and I was a pro at that I was like bro I know that you're a wolf <laughs> just turn your card over like I know I'm proper like shouting <laughs> um, so I was like it was so useful and like when you're in a foreign country it is so like, people say you're as invaluable yeah, like you have to you know immerse yourself in the culture to learn but really and truly, that's the only way. Especially because I was living with my cousins and the, the smaller ones, it goes like two years old, eight years old, 11 years old. And here I am fighting them in French, you know, <laughs> and telling them to shut up, telling them to leave me alone. I'm telling them, and then we're just chit-chatting about bloody, I don't even know, anime that they watch, even though I don't watch anime. I'm like, oh yeah, swear down that happened to that guy. <laughs> I have no idea what they're talking about. But we're conversing, and she's like sitting there, she's like, you know what happened in this new episode? I'm like, no, what, what happened? And she'd be like, she'd be like, do you understand? I'd be like, yeah, don't worry about it. I miss bare words of what she said. But it's so, it's very, very useful. Mm. And when you're inside your cousin's house, like when you're staying there, were you speaking like 
French sometimes. Yeah, cool, good. So I was speaking French most of the time for most of them, and then my the oldest boy, he his English is embarrassingly like good in comparison to my French, and he's like one year younger. But obviously, everyone learns English exactly. Yeah, it's different, better, yeah, than we would learn a foreign language. So sometimes I just give up, and we just be having like, for example, after after. Um, after our full time in Ramadan, we just be sitting there waiting until like the morning or whatever till we have to pray tarawih, whatever. Uh, and we just be sitting there chit chatting, but it'd all be in English. I'm like, stop, 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 stop. Need to stop. I'm like, I'm here for a reason. You're not in London. If you want to come and learn English, come to my house because really and truly, I can't be speaking English to you. But then the difficult concepts, I'd be like, oh, how do I say this in English? Um, and one time I had this like moment where I, I was sitting there with, so there's two boys, one is um, 17 and the other one's 21. And we're just sitting on the table eating and um, we're just talking. And I must have said often, the way they dropped their spoon, they're like, you say often. And I'm like, what do you want me to say? And they were like, isn't it often? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, but you're right. It, it's often. But I say often. Wait, often, often. Yeah, and I don't know why I say often. Like, I don't know why. Like, it's, ask me, I do this every day. I say often. Like, I don't know why I do that. <laughs> Uh, they made me like I would deep my own English and they'd be like oh um, what's this sentence like for example um, in my one of my um, corrections I basically had to write an example essay because the first years weren't really understanding how to write like a PE paragraph and I must have said off of like oh get off of that chair uh, and then the professor would be like you say off of I had to google it and turns out I'm not allowed to say off of <laughs> no apparently it's just off get off that or like um or even like, um, yeah, you oh, can't well, actually fresh, you know, because I'm thinking there's nothing wrong with that sentence. There's nothing wrong with the sentence in my mind. I had to sit there thinking, what are you talking about, madam? But um, yeah, anyway. Lord, I'm not gonna lie, the deep in English thing that happened to me bare as well. Cause I'm like, wait, how do I actually, how do I say this? The bare time people asking me, and I'm like, at, the, at this point, you might as well be the English person. You might as well. Like, I have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying it and hoping for the best. <laughs> that's jokes and obviously i mean like um you mentioned how like diverse it was and stuff so i'm guessing like in terms of feeling like you were i guess belonging and whatnot it was calm yeah um in the beginning like you could tell that they're french like like in terms of not like french people but like you know like french people or like people who speak french have a certain i don't even know what to say it like like they're, they're impatient yeah right so in the beginning when i was in the station and i needed to make an oyster card um they were really having a str- like i was trying to speak but obviously like you're panicking there's people behind you and then they were like what do you speak english french or dutch and i'm like english and then they're like okay cool and then they started speaking english but then after a while i got confident enough i'm like no i don't, I don't speak i speak french you know like when i get my covid test they'll be like you speak french i'm like yeah <laughs> and i know exactly <laughs> what it takes but stick that test up my nose um but yeah it was it felt normal like like being a hijabi in brussels is nothing different as being a hijabi in french in in not french sorry um in london it's mad i never i would never guess that you know i would have thought it was more similar to france no it's not i mean in brussels no no, i wouldn't say so but there was this whole law basically so obviously you can't wear a hijab in primary schools secondary schools etc etc um it's the same thing as in france however across the whole country right Hmm? across the whole country so even in brussels Okay. Even in Brussels. Um, except for actually if you go to a Catholic school. So I had to do this whole like cultural report uh for uni and so I've had to do all this research. And basically I found out that in Catholic schools you're allowed to wear the headscarf because they also wear the headscarf um as Catholics. 
So in Catholic schools, you're allowed to wear it, but in regular schools, public schools, etc., etc., you can't wear it. Um, but in universities, you're a grown woman, you can do what you want, right? But then last year, they passed a law where they, the schools were allowed to ban it if they wanted to. So it was very selective. So for example, that university that I told you, the Brussels Deep one, basically um, that one obviously didn't ban it, but my school did. So I had to go into school, do Hannah Montana in the corridor with all the other girls, <laughs> take my hair, take my hijab, or fix my hair in the mirror, go to, go to class, <laughs> do my job, and then come out. And put my hijab back on. Oh my god! You know how awkward it is to know that my friends, yeah, some guy, the guys that I'm friends with, know what my hair looks like. Like, it is just <laughs> so jarring. I'm just sitting here like, what are we doing? Here? And the worst part is, is they had two mirrors strategically placed in the foyer where, you, like, you could walk around in the foyer with your hijab on. You just can't go upstairs to the classes, etc., with it on. And they just had two mirrors there where we all come off and we take our hijabs off. And I'd be, I'd be living my life inside school and be like, hmm, her, hij- her hair looks like she's wearing, she wore a hijab. Do you know what I mean? I could be guessing. I look like hijab hair. I can tell. Yo, that's actually very peak and very embarrassing as well. So embarrassing. But uh, lucky for them, they basically, re- they, they did a U-turn. Uh, and starting from September now, um, it's, they can't do it. They can't ban it in, in higher education. Um, which is so, yeah, like, it wasn't logical in the first place. They tried it. And they had, like, protests, don't touch my hijab, stuff like that, um, last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't make sense in my mind. And the concept of me, like, going to work and being like, I need to pray, blows their mind. Like, I'm like, so you miss every single prayer of your day. Like, you can't just go into the corner, mind your business, close the door in this little cupboard where the, you know, with the hoovers and stuff. You can't even pray there. They're like, no. And I'm just sitting here, like, I can literally take... I can do whatever I want, do you know what I mean? Like I would I would call HR discrimination because people go out for smoke breaks. So why couldn't I go out for the same time in prayer breaks? And obviously I haven't had a problem like in my work and stuff to go pray, but that is inconceivable to them. Mm, that's what actually to be honest, in Switzerland is the same. Like when yeah. we when we need to pray, we literally there was like a um you know them like emergency staircases. Yeah. We literally go to it and you know how they have like a landing and then stairs, landing yeah. stairs. We literally pray in the landing, so it was such a tiny space. Yeah. It's where people just like waiting for their go to pray. Mm-hmm. It's so like this big university can't give us one room to pray in. And big, I've, big university. I walk past rooms that are empty. You're telling me I can't just use it to pray. I was proper reminiscing about Queen Mary, the, the prayer room in the house. <laughs> Bro, you were living in luxury. <laughs> literally, there are times because I, I was studying in it, so like a little bit different. Mm. But when I was like suddenly I was like, wow, the, the way I miss Queen Mary, like I would, I want to be there. Like I'll... the whole Friday prayer, locking off the whole hive for all of us. <laughs> like that is, they could never, like they, to them, like when I was telling my cousin about it and he was like, so you can just literally do whatever you want. And I'm like, yeah, because really and truly I can, they can get into so much trouble for that. Do you know what I mean? Like just for, to, for discrimination, but they don't have such laws. Uh, they have laws that say you can't work on Sundays, <laughs> I guess, which is good. But the, on, on the flip side, our labour laws are in the drain in comparison to them. Like, he's like, you can earn £4 an hour. And I'm like, that's what I did in McDonald's when I was, like, 17. He goes, 17? Like, for example, my cousin, the 17-year-old, he was working in, like, a taco thing, and he's getting 9 to €10 Euros an hour. But I was getting £5 at Primark. Bro, seventeen. I was getting seven pound at my big age of eighteen, nineteen. Seven pounds. Oh my god! Yeah, and zero hour contracts blew his mind because he does law and he's like into like labor law and commercial all that stuff. 
and he's like when I was doing my research I was like like he's he's like in and out like oh I really want to go to the UK opportunities but at the same time do I really want to go to the UK I was like no you don't bro you do not want to go and every time my with my other friends who go to that uni that I was teaching at they're like oh so you get to do this these modules this and that I'm like yeah 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 I learned all this stuff but bearing in mind I am in debt <laughs> and your school is paying you to be there wait so oh yeah uni is free for the minute or it's very cheap free. if you can pay it's like 800 pounds 800 euros a month i'm not a month sorry a year if you can pay it's 800 euros a year if mm. you cannot pay they pay you Mad. to just go and they don't have um entrance requirements like you don't have to get aab like they just have to pass their back so that means for you, when you were teaching first years, you were having some students who were, I'm guessing... Fresh. Yeah. Yeah, fresh, and they didn't even get corona exams. Keep it. Like, they just came out from... They, like, in... in, in, in um, I started in September. In Two months before, they were in high school, and they didn't even do the exam for the back. So they were coming, not knowing anything. And I basically had to teach them from scratch how to write an essay. And obviously, we learn essays from when we're young. Do you know what I mean? We learn, like, debating and stuff. Like, they have different cultures, so they don't do that kind of thing. So, like, I'm here teaching the stuff that I teach my GCSE students when I'm tutoring. Um, PEE, you know, put in the quotations, etc. They do not know the bare minimum. So we have to teach them from scratch. But by the time they get into third year, they have to write a whole thesis. Sorry. They have to write a whole thesis based on the culture of, like, Dutch and the French. And they have to write about, like, actual teaching. And they have to do um, internships every year at a school. And they have to write their lesson plans hour by hour. They even have to write a script of what they're going to say. So they're proper trained for three years to become a teacher. But here we have to pay to do a PGCE for one year. Wild. Very wild. You know, you're, a lot of European countries, like, there's a lot of pluses, like education is free for them da, da, da. but then on the flip side of that like as a muslim woman come so you may have to not wear you know may not be able to uh, allow to wear your hijab I'm, I'm i'm guessing maybe like finding work is probably harder for muslim women there you have to put your your picture on your cv so i'm here thinking what, what like if i ever wanted to go back or if i ever wanted to do anything what would i put there like am i gonna have to sacrifice should i just put mm. like a little little like what you're wearing right now, a little um, thingy on to act like, oh yeah, it's not mm. a hijab, I'm just wearing it for mm. fun. Cheeky little bandana. <laughs> a cheeky little bandana, a cheeky little headscarf just to protect my hair. Um, so I was I was thinking about all those stuff and I don't even know what these men do. Because um, most, some of my, um, maybe out of like say five girls, three of them were hijabis. So um, they were wearing hijabis in their, in their own lives, in their private lives. But they definitely put an emphasis on private life and your public life and you have to keep that keep that muslimic stuff in your home basically um like like for example i was telling them about um when i went on holiday um and my dad took me to the bus station and it was like 4am in the morning so he paid fudges on the road um and they were like you would literally die if you did that um uh, even in brussels that's not something that you could participate in so yeah it's, it's so wild like just how difficult it is in some places mm-hmm. just for us to exist sometimes just so to live forget i'm just you're just trying to teach i'm something I'm, trying to get to I'm just teaching you my native language unfortunately it's my native language but i'm just trying to teach it to you <laughs> let me do my job it's so because my friend was telling like she went to she's still in france she's like she did her whole degree in france mm. and she was telling me like how the other day like the immigration office was taking the piss 
and they were getting her to her, obviously on their pictures you need to take your headscarf off so she yeah. had to take her headscarf off but the lady kept making her go to get a new picture done so she kept so she for example she'll go in like for an appointment yeah they were like mm, the picture's not good enough go and take another one so she would have to take, go to the booth oh. take her headscarf off bring another picture the lady would analyze again and be like mm, maybe we'll see and it's happened like a couple times that's so jarring it's mad humiliating and I'm not yeah, it's it obviously is. done purposeful like it's it's done with complete intention mm-hmm. 100% very wild but at least I mean it sounds like at least in terms of like discrimination it was very like minimal it was for you. very minimal um, that's, that's beautiful that's what I, okay. yeah very very minimal and like you don't feel out of place even like even in the schools you didn't feel out of place do you know what I mean like I guess like what they're doing kind of like make like it doesn't make sense right it's very illogical especially in the 21st century in the place where you know you have all these different cultures and whatever but when you were in the school you kind of forgot about it like sometimes I would be like oh shit my hijab fell off but it's in my bag (laughs) I would feel like it's slipping away but it didn't even exist so in the beginning I felt so uncomfy like I'm just sitting here naked essentially yeah Um, especially because I never I only wore my hijab recently like it's not it's not like something I've been wearing for years and years and years I only started in like the first literally when corona started basically um but even that imagine that was just me and i felt oh shit like where's my job like i felt i can't even imagine someone who's just like that's their second you know what i mean second skin literally if I'm, I, sometimes i'm having dreams like not i mean nightmares i'm like right. <laughs> like you know that was i leave the house with my hijab and i'm like <gasps> yeah, yeah, like yeah. it was all a dream <laughs> <laughs> you're like Phew. Uh, literally and that's like that. yeah ugh. it's mad though but i mean to go a little, like a back, uh, back a little bit, yeah. In terms of obviously, because like you know, you're there, you get COVID, whatnot. Like you're, mm. you're in a university setting, blah blah. Did you feel like you got supported by like your university back at home? In terms of like support, they weren't that bad. Like um, I could I could message like for example, you know Elsa. Yeah, yeah. I could message like you know the professors, and they would be they would reply back to you, especially some of them in the French department. They reply ASAP. And for example, one of the professors, she was like, "Oh, if you ever want to chat, just just message me, and I'll we'll do like a FaceTime call." So we FaceTimed for once for like um, the last exam, like the oral exam, uh, just telling me like what I should do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Was it Leticia? Uh, yeah, Leticia. Yeah, she is. She's lovely. She's like, I love Leticia. You know, yeah. she said to me, she's like, "Oh, you don't have to call me you." And I was like, "Bro, I can't stop. Like, <laughs> I call old men in the street too by accident. I've got, I've become traumatized. Bro. So, like, I don't know how to conjugate in view anymore. So I just like, sorry, I cannot. Uh, I'm just gonna call you view, like, just out of safety for myself. But yeah, so they actually proper helped you. Um, and obviously, we had like, I my experience was definitely different to the people who studied. Um, in their year abroad because they for example most of my friends went to Paris and they did Sorbonne and in Sorbonne their administration what in France in general you have to make your own timetable like horrible and they had no guidance and then they ended up failing most of their and then like this whole thing about like you can basically get rid of the year abroad on your transcript if you like get a really bad grade just because of corona and stuff and it won't affect like your your grade and stuff but I worked so hard this whole year there is no way that's not being on my transcript I don't want to come to like interviews and stuff and I have to explain oh yeah there was a year abroad in there somewhere um it's just not written like I I wrote a 3,000 word essay in French like there is no way I refuse for it to be cut out but most of my friends it actually worked in their favor because they went to 
Sorbonne and then they had to do their other year abroad the other semester online in London like it was just so messy for them but luckily mine because I was doing most of it myself uh, and I had the uh, British Council and the people um, who worked at Wallonie Bruxelles uh, that sounded really bad sorry but it's just weird to say it in English with an English accent anyway yeah. uh, people who work for the Federation in Brussels mm. um, really were helpful so yeah the next question I had for you was about like I mean you you kind of you mentioned it a little bit like culture shock and how mm. if the culture is different to what you you know you're used to or what you're expecting um so the culture kind of seemed the same um just in terms of the hijab was obviously um, a big big culture the biggest one um in terms of like you know going out living your life like it's literally the same they do the same things um restaurants are cheaper so you're living your best life than definitely any to be honest anything is cheaper than london let's be real now um so people but obviously it was corona so we didn't really go out that much we just you know we just maybe took a drive we went to like different cities like i went to ghent and antwerp and stuff like that i never went down to the south to like namur and stuff i was gonna ask about travel but so you were you were able to travel in different you were cities. able to travel yeah oh. um and within belgium for a long time and i went to paris but i had to do paris was very very strict in their in their covid tests um you had to do like a covid test 20, 48 hours before you had to fill in this form and and when you entered paris there was police checks and stuff like that um, but then in Paris, like in France, you know, COVID tests are like free. You can literally walk in, no, da, da, da. But I had to pay like 48 euros in Belgium. But then on the way back, they, they tell you, oh, you have to do this pas- passenger location form to get into Belgium. And you have to do this, you have to do that. And when you get into Gare de Midi, there is no one. But when I tell you, I'm serious. I did that for no reason. They were called better my line for no reason. I didn't have to give you my number. <laughs> Gosh. Um, so, and so what cities did you end up traveling to then within... So, I went to Antwerp, which I loved. There was this board game cafe. I would hide. I can be found there by accident. It's inside the station. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. We stayed there for hours just playing Scrabble. And I was playing Scrabble in French and I won. Look at me. Mad. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Antwerp is really nice because like, um, actually no, Antwerp is fine. Like it's like, it's, it's, it's an all right place to be. But Ghent is amazing. Oh my God. I wish I went again. I wish I went twice. Ghent is like, so clean there's like little canals it's like got actual history like that was the first time i ever looked at a castle and went inside like i've never done that before you know what i mean like that's not something that i normally do um when i'm tourism i I just like kind of look around i don't never ever go inside tourist places but i went inside this castle and you go upstairs and it's really beautiful um and then I went to Ostend, which is like the beach. So I went to the beach in the winter. And then I called my friends like, aha, look at me, I'm at the beach. You guys are locked at home. <laughs> and then I went to the beach by myself in the summer when it was really, really hot. Um, and there was like police at the train station and the police running around and we were stopped. And there was like, oh, it was such a mess. But I got there anyway. And travel is so cheap in terms of like the train because it's so small. So it costs like 10 euros, 15 euros on the train, choo-choo train that take you to other cities. But I never went to the south. I was always planning to go to Namur and like Liège and stuff like that. But uh, I didn't really have the the want to really go to the French area. I just went to the Dutch ones. Mm, that makes sense. And of course, my last question is just like, what's your favourite thing about Belgium or Brussels? My favourite thing about Brussels is the size. It is so small that like, anything five minutes left or like five minutes to the outside you're in the countryside 
So like one time I just took the bus and I was just living my life and I got off at a random bus stop because I saw that there was a park. I go into the park and I see cows. When I tell you, I was, I went back to this cows. Those were my friends. <laughs> I was with my best. They were fluffy cows as well. They weren't just like, oh. you know, like, you know, like the Somali cows, like they're skinny and they don't yeah. have much going on and they're just brown. <laughs> you know, nice European fat, fluffy cows, black and white kind of vibe. Oh, okay. Um, and like. You're better selling these cows to me, you know. I am, bro. I have cows on my background. I, I'm, I'm a cow activist. Now. I love them. I'm a cow stan. And basically, um, like traveling within Brussels because the center, center, fine. Like you know, it has all of the stuff that you need. Um, it has like maybe like one, two Primarchs. The whole city. It will have like one Zara on a road. Like it doesn't have that much. So you go in to do your things. Like they have two rows. So they have um Porte Namur, which is like where you get, you know, all your African skincare, I mean, your products, your hair products, all of that stuff, and it has a Primark, and all, like, it's like kind of like, you know, living your best life, it has all of the, like, ethnic the stuff. The cheap stuff, yeah. The cheap stuff, and then you have, like, uh, Louise, which is all of the, like, it's the Regent Street, basically, where you have, you know, your Lacoste, and you have your, you know, like, your department stores, and all that stuff, which is basically behind Port de Namur, uh, and that's two, and then you have Rue Neuve, which is the centre centre, um, that's where like high street Oxford street vibes with no cars it's just walking so you have that and then you have like um that's in the center but everywhere on the outside it's like so suburban with like lots of trees and i wouldn't even say trees you know like london has bare trees like on the road i'm talking about like organized like parks and like little little boulevards and like it sounds beautiful you know it is so nice like i would i would live there if i if i ever went back um and because it's cheap um even those places in comparison to London, but bearing in mind you obviously getting paid Belgian um, mm. salary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, that sounds sick. You're probably yeah. you've sold it to me. Like I, I definitely want to go and see. I've yeah. never been before. My friend always calls it. She was like, "Oh, Brussels is the best boring place I've ever been." And I'm like, <laughs> "When I tell you, you're right. Like it's so you just want to live. You don't mm. in London. You're always busy out every day doing this, doing that. Oh, you want to go to that golf place? Oh, you want to." But in Brussels, there's only a couple things you can do and you're satisfied with what you have. Like, you're like you're living life calmly. You're not rushing anywhere. You're no peak times. Even at peak times, say you're on the train at 6 p.m., 5.30 p.m., it's not full. It's not packed at all. So, yeah, that's the best part of Brussels for me. That's beautiful. That's like a small city type vibe, basically. Yeah, small city type. Literally, that's what it is. Wow. Okay, that's that's definitely my vibe. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna visit obviously later. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Do that. Inshallah. Go first. But yeah, man. Yeah. Number one, thank you so much. Honestly, it's been so like informative. I feel like you you explain things so well. So like, <laughs> thanks. I I feel like I've I've I know if I was gonna go, I know exactly what to do. You know exactly where to go. <laughs> I'm glad. Literally, I'm here as a Brussels ambassador at this point. Brussels baby. <laughs> that's sick, man. Honestly, thank you so much. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Memoir. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And thank you again to Intasar for coming on and speaking about her experience in Belgium. This is the final episode of the season. So thank you guys so much for joining me and coming with me on this journey. And listening to the stories and journeys of other black people who have gone abroad. And the stuff they've experienced, the highs and the lows and everything in between. Keep your eyes peeled for season two and for the interesting guests that are going to come on. And yeah, so tune in next time for another episode from another person in a new place. Peace.